Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of Sideline Junkies. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG. Sitting in the night so far solo. Uh, probably not for long, but uh, I'm gonna jump into this thing feet first, and we got a lot to get into. Uh, a lot of things, man. A lot of things. Uh, the outcome of the weekend's games of Sundays of Championship Sunday is not what I expected it to be, <laughs> but hey, it happened. Uh, first up, Buccaneers, congratulations on winning the George Hollis Trophy 31 26 over the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Tom Brady. 20 of 36, 283 touchdowns and three picks. Leonard Fournette still got his his uh legs under him. I said before uh the game that he had started the playoffs and started hot. Uh 12 carries, 55 yards. Um, Chris Godwin, five catches, 110 yards. Mike Evans, three catches, uh, 51 yards. Scotty Miller, two catches, 36 yards. And now he's uh thinking that he's faster than um the cheetah, Tyreek Hill. Ugh, I ain't gonna say all that, but uh we shall see if they ever, you know, get into a race. But uh we'll see. Um, Aaron Rodgers was absolutely masterful in a loss, if that makes any sense. Um, 33 of 48, 346, three TDs and a pick. Uh surprisingly. Uh, Aaron Jones only had six carries and 27 yards. Williams, seven carries, 23 yards. Dylan, three carries, 17 yards. I mean, I expected the Packers to run the ball way more to control the clock, keep that offense off the field. That's what I expected, but it just didn't happen. Um, Aaron Jones is an absolute dog, and he didn't get off. He didn't get going, so... Uh, Devontae Adams, they kind of sort of held him in check. Nine catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. But the biggest question coming out of that first game was the P.I. call at the end. It was third and some change. Um, Brady dropped back to pass. It was some, it had been infighting all day long, and uh, both sides. Both sides. And they called the pass interference because of a undershirt grab. I mean, he didn't grab the jersey. And it wasn't a pass interference. I'm just going to say that. It wasn't a pass interference. It was, it was, uh, I'm in a, I'm in the process of cooking pork chops. So y'all got to excuse me. Dario, flip the pork chop over in the air fry, please, sir. I mean, you, you can't understand the hand signals. Executive producer, Dario behind the glass, not even knowing how to flip the pork chops over. Thank you very much, Dario. Everybody didn't even know we were having pork chops for dinner tonight. But uh, that was not a pass interference. I disagree with the call wholeheartedly, but I'm used to it. And I, the first thing I said was, yeah, you kind of gift wrap this win for uh, Tom Brady. And that was that. But Green Bay didn't do enough to win the game. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Green Bay didn't do enough to win the game. And, you know, what's the main thing you have to do to win a game? You got to score more points than the other team. They shouldn't have taken a 
AAA field goal on fourth down. They took the field goal, and you still needed a touchdown. So it is what it is. The Buccaneers will be the first team to play at home and ho- pretty much host a Super Bowl. Uh, the last team that was closest to it was the the uh, San Francisco 49ers when they played at Rice Stadium. And I, I think that was I think that was a couple hundred miles. I think it was in the same state. Let me make sure. No, I'm, it wasn't Rice Stadium. I'm sorry. I've been saying that wrong. Rice Stadium is in Houston, Texas. Uh, they, it was, was it Stanford? I got to look it up, but that'll be a part of our Super Bowl trivia. So one of our questions will be how close were the San Francisco 49ers to, the home, to their uh, home stadium in the Super Bowl? So I got it wrong. It wasn't Rice Stadium. Rice Stadium is in Houston, Texas. Uh, but I'll get it right. No worries. Um, on the other side, the AFC, this is a heartbreaking loss. Um, you can go back to the last episode. Uh, the boss BJ did a season review of his Buffalo Bills, and um, he let it all hang out. Uh, that was our last episode on Monday. His Bills, 38-24. Losers. Uh, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on winning the Lamar Hunt Trophy, named after their great owner who uh, started the team as the Dallas Texans and moved them into Kansas City. And he always said they were the Midwest team. So uh, Buffalo's offense didn't quite show up. Um, Josh Allen, 28-48, 287, two touchdowns in the pick. He also had seven carries for 88 yards. Singletary, six carries, 17 yards. Yeldon, three carries, 15 yards. Uh, Cole Beasley, seven catches, 88 yards. Stephon Diggs, six catches, 77 yards. Knox, Dawson Knox, six catches, 42 yards and a touchdown. I just, I told BJ this. I said, Buffalo just needs a run game. They need a shutdown, not a shutdown. They need a, a lights out runner. Somebody that can kind of sort of, kill a game, drain the, drain the clock, but also pick up four to five yards a clip so Josh Allen doesn't have to do the running. And he should not lead the team in rushing yards at all. That's just my opinion. Um, Buffalo got a lot to work on. Uh, flipping back to the NFC side, I think Green Bay has a lot to work on. And uh, Aaron Rodgers made a comment that, you know, everybody's, future is up in the air his own as well so we'll see how that works out um for the chiefs patrick mahomes my homeboy 29 to 38 325 and three touchdowns wow williams 13 carries 52 yards and a touchdown Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I like that dude. I like him a lot. He only had six carries for seven yards, one of those carries for a touchdown. The cheetah, Tyreek Hill, nine catches, 172. Travis Kelsey, in my opinion, top three tight end in the league. 13 catches, 118, and two touchdowns. 
I'm just this is a complete team. Andy Reid got these boys balling. Um, I, I just it's nothing I can say, not a word that I can say about I can't say anything bad about the Chiefs, period, because the Chiefs they hey, they are the kings of the mountain right now. And the thing is, you can't you can't call not call them the kings of the mountain until somebody knocks them off. Nobody has yet to knock them off yet. And the, here's the question: Will it be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? You got the goat going against the magician, and I think once the, the smoke settles, it's all said and done. I think that uh. Patrick Mahomes will be mentioned in the same breath with Johnny Unitas, Joe Namath, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Dan Marino, uh, hell, John Elway, Jim Kelly, and that's the Hall of the Greats. Those are all Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And Patrick Mahomes you might as well go ahead and carve out a little spot, put it right there, and write his name on it now. Because if he keeps on this trend, he is going to be a Hall of Fame QB. Now, mm. Whew, had to give me a swig of water there. But uh, looking at this, we got a little bit of about a week and a half. Not Sunday coming, following Sunday. Uh, Early favorites, bruh, <laughs> I can't even pick it because the way Tampa Bay is playing as a team is absolutely amazing. Um, thinking about Kansas City, they play as a team amazingly anyway. So I guess I'm not even, I can't even give an early favorite, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to. And that early favorite will be the Kansas City Chiefs to repeat. Um, eh, it, it it could happen. I, I don't I don't see it not happening. But you got to have an answer for Patrick Mahomes. He got to have a bad game. So, uh, looking at some other things NFL wise, one thing we celebrated, and I, I, I say we. Um, <laughs> We celebrated uh, the, what was that, 30-year anniversary of the greatest team to ever win a Super Bowl, the 1991 Washington Redskins, 14-2 and two on the season, uh, largest margin of victory of any Super Bowl winner, uh, one of the best defenses of all time, as far as the Super Bowl winner goes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We celebrated that 30 year anniversary, and that, that I mean, it, it's great to celebrate, it's great to look back at it. And then, you know, the news last week one of the players off that team has come back home to work with the team, and that's Martin Mayhew. Uh, that, that that's great, but think about it it's been 30 years since we've had any type of success 30 years. I'm sorry, 29 years. I was 92. So it's been 29 years, but hell, might as well be 30 years. 
it's still too damn long since we've had any type of success. You know, sustained success. That's the last time, the last season we won over 11 games as a franchise. Yeah, it still, it stings a little bit. It, it does. It stings a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it because I, I see us turning the corner and we're going to do some big things. So moving on to a, lo- a little more NFL news, Seahawks, Chad Wheeler. Um, hmm. Chad Wheeler. If you don't know this story by now, Chad Wheeler choked and beat his girlfriend unconscious. Um, he's a Seattle Seahawks offensive lineman. He beat his girlfriend unconscious uh, and continued on about his, his day. And then when she got up and ran to the bathroom, uh, he said, damn, you're still alive. And not too many people, you have to go search for it. Not too many people are reporting on it. And the Seahawks have cut him. And that that that's done. He, he his his career may be done. He may go the Ray Rice route and not get a, another shot at the NFL. But that's on him because you put your hands on a female. And I, I felt the same way about Greg Hardy. I felt the same way about anybody that puts their hands on a female. Dog, if it comes to the point that you want to, you know, she done pissed you off to the point you feel you feel like you want to put hands on her, walk away. It's easier said than done, but sometimes it takes restraint. Walk away. And now he's saying he's blaming it on a manic episode because uh, I think he was diagnosed as bipolar before. Um It's we talk about mental health, and mental health is, is very, very. It's something that needs to be discussed, always, and it doesn't matter if you're white, black, Hispanic, purple. I don't care. You got to take your mental health serious. Now, if you know for a fact you're prone to these episodes without medication, please take your medication. Please. I mean, if you got people around you that know you're not taking your medication and they're okay with it, they're just as much as much as at fault. Because if I know somebody's supposed to be taking medication uh, and I'm just like, all right, whatever, you do what you want. Now, nah, I you gotta be your brother's keeper. I'm not making excuses for the dude because that shit pissed me off. I'm not even gonna lie. You put your hands on a female because she wouldn't bow to you. Yeah, I got a problem with that. Now he released a statement. And this is uh, the full statement, and I'm reading this through Yahoo Sports. Uh, Events happened over the weekend that transpired from a manic episode. I am truly sorry for the pain and suffering that I've caused to the victim, and that's in parentheses, and her family. I don't know if he said that. I think he uh, actually said her name, but Yahoo Sports uh, probably took her name out. I apologize profusely for the turmoil that I've caused to my family, teammates, fans, and those closest to me. 
the important thing right now is that the victim gets the care she needs and I get help. Both are happening. It is time for me to walk away from football and get the help I need to never again pose a threat to another. I cannot express my sorrow or remorse enough. I am truly ashamed. Oh. Okay. I'm just, that's all I can say is okay. Um, Saying you sorry does not take back what you did. You choked you threw okay. It said this is what it says. Wheeler reportedly threw his girlfriend on the bed and choked her until she was unconscious. When the woman woke up, Wheeler allegedly said, "Wow, you're alive." As he was drinking a smoothie, he continued to eat his dinner and drink a smoothie as she laid there unconscious. I I can't. I can't. Uh. The woman locked herself in the bathroom and called 911. Officers found Wheeler standing next to the woman. He was reportedly uncooperative when the officers tried to arrest him at first. The woman told the officers that the assault began after Wheeler told the woman to bow to him. He reportedly attacked the woman after she refused. The woman also told police Wheeler is bipolar and has not been taking his medication. Well, he's no longer a part of the Seattle Seahawks organization um I, I i i hope like hell he never plays in the nfl again i hope he gets the help that he needs but i hope he never plays in the nfl again and i just i hate to see things like that i hate hate to see things like that I'm not going to dwell on it because I know if I dwell on it, it's going to get ugly. And we got other things to get into. Um, I just, uh, let's just move on. Let's just move on. Um, Switching over to baseball. (laughs) The Nationals, the Nationals, the Nationals. Uh, I had it pulled up, now I can't find it. They signed Brad Haynes. And added him to the bullpen mix. Um, they also signed John Lester. Uh, not much money spent, but they're trying to retool to get back to the World Series. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman is coming back. Uh, they got him for a million. Uh, question is, can he stay healthy? I hope so. I hope so. I hope the Nats do make the uh, make the World Series again. I mean. That that feeling right there, where you had the uh, you had the um, the Mystics winning the championship. You had the okay. You had two years before you had the Caps. Then you had the Mystics. I mean, it, it's it's beautiful. I mean, just the, the excitement that was in D.C. at that time, it felt good. I mean, I, I don't think there was another. I can't think of another time. Where there was a feeling like that, I just I, I I don't I can't I can't think of a high time like that, but that that was it. So, uh, I hope that the, the national, even though I'm a Yankees fan and I, I'm a diehard Yankees fan, I love my Yankees to death. Uh, but I would love to see the Nationals in the playoffs once again and in the world series 
So, yep. There you go. So, moving right along. Jump over to we're gonna stay in the MLB. Now this is this is the the, the, the shit that that's gonna piss a lot of people off. MLB Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> how in the world for the first time since 1960 we didn't get no players no players elected to the Hall of Fame and you had players uh, I mean granted if this is the year for that uh, that you know you didn't want to elect anybody I say lift the lifetime ban on Pete Rose he's the freaking hit king give him his due man don't wait until you know Pete Rose dies and then now you want to give him his flowers give him his flowers while he's alive yeah he made a mistake you know he they told him oh if you admit it we'll lift the ban he admitted it you still didn't lift the ban you just wanted him to admit it and I, I hate it I really do. Um, But nobody was uh, elected to the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. And the Midnight Rider, Ben, checking in. Baseball is everywhere in baseball. I mean, gambling is everywhere in baseball. Yes, indeed, sir, it is. It's all over sports now. Uh, Kurt Schilling was 16 votes short of induction. He got 71.1%. Uh, Barry Bonds, 61.8. Roger Clemens, 61.6. Scott Rowland, 52.9. And Omar Vasquez, 49.1. Um, I think that's an atrocity. That's a, a slap in the face to baseball fans. That's a slap in the face to baseball players. Now, here's my thing. You got guy, and if I'm not mistaken, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling, I think only have one more year of eligibility. Now, love them or hate them, these three, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, we're just going to focus on them three. Love them or hate them, what they did for the game is it far outweighs the, the bad. Okay, so that you you claim they were using steroids. Apparently, everybody was. Just like they come after Mark McGuire, but Mark McGuire was using wasn't using a banned substance. He was taking Andro. Andro was legal at the time. How can you get mad? You come after Sosa. You claim Sosa was, was, was juicing. Sosa wasn't juicing. I, nobody ever said what Sosa was using. Now, everybody got mad at Brady Anderson. What was that, 94? No, no. That was 95, 96 when he had 50 home runs eating, uh, taking creatine. Then they banned creatine. And I used to take creatine myself. I mean, it's great to work out with. Make you pee a lot. Gets the water off you. But it, it's awesome. I mean, you need that boost. Man, it gave you a boost when you wanted to get your workout done. Like, I had energy for days. I mean, I, shoot, that's probably why I don't sleep much now. But damn. But yeah, and that's right, BJ. The boss BJ just just checked in the real creatine. Yes, the, we took the real stuff, not this phony stuff that they got now. Oh well, we don't want to put the ephedra in it, and we taking this out, and you taking it. You just took out the effectiveness of it. 
I mean, to be the, the, the joys of the original creatine, and this was 2000, to take it, and I was putting it in juice, you know, just regular run-of-the-mill juice, and I went from, I think I was about 6'1", 215. I dropped down to 197. I lost all this weight. And BJ had my ass in the gym from 10 p.m. till 2 to 3 a.m. on a daily. And we had to go to work the next day. I mean, that's that youthful exuberance. And we in there, I'm playing ball, BJ in there lifting weights. And he like, you know, he's sending word for me to come in there and start lifting the weights. I get in there and I just start hitting the weights. And I went from 6'1", 198, 197. To six one two twenty five, and then I, I I grew a couple inches. I'm you know I'm, I was growing until I was about 36, 37. but I grew a couple inches. Then I went to about six two and a half, six three, two twenty five. wasn't the fastest, but I was effective. Four six forty, you know, low four six. And Lady C chimed in. Now you get tired just thinking about working out, yeah. And B, the real shit had your body way past the normal length. Yep. Because you didn't get tired. I mean, you take that being young, you didn't get tired. It wasn't no man tired. Yeah, okay. But you take all these guys, what they meant to the game. Barry Bonds, what he meant to the game. Before he became a home run machine, Barry Bonds was one of, when he was with Pittsburgh in the early years with San Francisco, he was one of the sweetest hitting motherfuckers you've ever seen in your life. I don't think Barry Bonds hit below 300 the early parts of his career. I would have to actually look at look that up because I don't think he hit below 300. He was a sweet hitter. But, you know, he balked up, and next thing you know, he started knocking a long ball out there. I mean, he could knock the long ball. He was, what, 24, 25 home runs, you know, a uh, season when he was at Pittsburgh. When he came to – San Francisco was just something totally different. Roger Clemens, the Rocket, what he did in Boston, I hated Roger Clemens in Boston. Because it was like, you know, if he was on the mound, especially playing the Yankees at those times, at the, you know, during those years, I, I knew it was a win for Boston nine times out of ten. But then, you know, once he became a Yankee, that hate went away because it was a win when he was on the mound. You know, we had him, we had Musina, you know, had the Moose. But, you know, things like that. Think about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Now, I fell in love with baseball at an early age. My godmother taught me the game. Uh, but that run, that home run chase of 98, had me tuning in to every channel trying to see what uh, Mark McGuire was doing. Ken Griffey was in the race for a little bit, too. Uh, same with Sammy Sosa was doing because I was always I'll always be a big Ken Griffey fan. But same with those guys were doing the home runs that they were hitting. I had to tune in to just to see it. And boss BJ says Mike Musina was a trade out. Oh, come on, baby, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Moose had to come and get his ring, man. He wasn't gonna get it in Baltimore, so he had to come on and, and get it out of New York. So, but looking at this, at those guys, yeah, he got uh, he got one. Early one of them early two thousand rings. Hold on, I, I I'll get it for you. But looking at at these guys, they're they're denying the Hall of Fame. I'm old enough to remember 
the the cheating scandal um, well the gambling scandal of uh pete rose but i know pete rose nobody else has four thousand hits pete rose got four, over four thousand hits that alone on itself is hall of fame worthy and the thing is to get in the hall of fame all you got to do they say three thousand hits is the key to the hall of fame that, that that's your key to the front door right there if you get three thousand hits now if you get three thousand hits and you hit 500 home runs you got a room now it's the difference between having a key to someplace and actually having your own room but you got three thousand hits and 500 home runs you pretty much got a room so i'm just uh, uh, holding these guys out because of something that you feel wasn't right it was okay when you was writing about it when it was going on so now all of a sudden that you got the power to to, to put these guys in the hall of fame now all of a sudden you got a moral compass get out of here with that bullshit really get out of here with that oh you might be right b i don't think moose has one i don't think he has a world series ring i swore i thought he had one hmm. no he does not you are absolutely right but i'm not gonna sit here and hold these guys i'm not gonna hold them out of the out, out of the hall of fame because now all of a sudden i got a moral compass what was your moral compass at in 98 what was your moral compass at when bonds was chasing uh the late great hank aaron who we lost earlier this week sad to hear that uh the circumstances that i'm hearing I, i'm not going to speculate here but i hope that's not true but he was chasing hank aaron he said you know they asked him a question would you be mad if hank aaron didn't show up when you hit 756 he said i can't be mad at hank for not showing up he said i'd be more mad at willie mays for not showing up because that's my godfather and hank aaron followed him around and but it was great to see him hit not only 73 home runs but to hit see him hit 756 you know i those are the things that were great but everybody wanted to diminish it oh well bonds he uses the clear he does this you know i heard people making jokes that he used so many steroids his nuts are probably like dice you know he, they probably square now you know they you shake them up they just like dice that's his girlfriend said I, I i hated that they diminished it but you knew for a fact when other guys were on steroids didn't get caught it was okay but now we voting for hall of fame and now you have a moral compass miss me with the bullshit. i think this is a a travesty in itself i think it's bullshit. uh I, I, and BJ, I know you're listening. You and I have talked about this on air, off air. The there needs to be a different system when voting for the Hall of Fame, and that doesn't—that's not just baseball. That's basketball. Basketball seems tends to get it right when you talk about the Naismith Hall of Fame because you got to go through the NBA. You got to go international players that play in the NBA. You got to go to women. You got to go to coaches. So you got a lot to go through. And then, you know, of course, the international players also can make the FIBA Hall of Fame. So you got a lot to go through when we talk about Hall of Fame. But they need to change the way they do it. And the Midnight Rider has checked in. 
the media really owes Hank Aaron more love. They never consider him the greatest player in baseball. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. And he always said, no, nah, I don't want you to forget about Babe Ruth, but I want you to remember me. And I agree wholeheartedly. The boss BJ says it should be a player and write a panel for the Hall of Fame. I agree. I agree. And I, I think that the players that are the living players that are in the Hall of Fame should be able to cast a vote. It shouldn't be solely on writers to get players in the Hall of Fame. Now, myself and Ben, we talked about this in a previous show about Peter King holding a grudge against Otmont. You got guys not getting in into the Hall of Fame because writers don't like because they didn't talk to certain writers. I'm not obligated to talk to you, player. But it, it, it has to change. It has to change. I just. Uh, oh, man. OK. Hall of Fame process has to be revamped to the point where you don't have guys putting in players that you you know it's a head scratcher first ballot like it's a head scratcher that edron james made the hall of fame before fred taylor it's a head scratcher that uh it took uh, monks so long to make the hall of fame you know it's a head scratcher that uh, it's taking Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Kurt Schilling. It's, it's a head scratch that Roger Clemens, that these guys are taking so long to get in the Hall of Fame because of off the field. We're talking about baseball Hall of Fame. If that's the case, are you going to take out, uh, are you going to take OJ Simpson out of the Hall of Fame for his off the field shit? That's my whole thing. Because there's a lot of guys you would have to take out of the Hall of Fame because everybody that's in the Hall of Fame was not perfect. So it, it's cool. It's cool. But it needs to, something needs to be done. So uh, jumping over to the NBA, uh, we had a NBA reporter and analyst, you know, covered the Hawks for many years. Um, if you watched any NBA specials, uh things like that you all always saw him on there um especially with espn i never pronounced his name right but i'm gonna try my best to get it right now uh cq smith he was battling covid19 and he passed away sad that we lost him at 48 young 48 we lost him um so rest in peace to him prayers to his family friends and colleagues so say Q, say cool, say cool, say thank you to the Midnight Rider. And you know what? It, back to the, the Hall of Fame thing. He said Edge and Fred Taylor is a whole argument. Yeah, we, we, can, we can argue all day about that. Uh, we can. Um, looking at the Wizards, Russell Westbrook. 163 shots to score 163 points. Uh, this is looking pretty bad for the Wizards. Um, this trade 
because <laughs> it's looking like Houston has gotten the best of this trade because of, excuse me, now the Wizards have taken, they missed two weeks due to uh, COVID-19, but they're, they're supposed to play the Pelicans tonight in New Orleans. Uh, Wizards are three and 10, Pelicans are five and 10. <sighs> Man, Bradley Bill is not, I, he needs help. And I don't think Russell Westbrook is the answer. So, I just, they signed uh, Alex Lynn, former Terp. Former Terp Alex Lynn, they signed him. They also signed, uh, they, uh, I, I, the boy from Cleveland, he's playing uh, Cleveland. Uh, of course, I can't catch it. Hold on. I get you, I get you. Of course, Alex Lynn, Jordan Bell. I, I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. They signed both of those gentlemen on the 23rd to uh, kind of sort of counteract the Thomas Bryant injury. He has a partial torn ACL. But if this season right here does not spell the end, the end for Scott Brooks' tenure in Washington, I don't know what else. I mean, I think he might have to go out and murder somebody for for, for them to, to fire him. We've been saying this for two and a half, three years. I think we've been saying this since we've been doing this podcast. And, and I mean, I'm going back all the way to the beginning. We started July. What are we coming up on this year? We're coming up on three years this year. That was 18. We started in July 2017 on ZKs. And we went in on Scott Brooks then. Flip the pork chops, Dario. And we 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 talked about it then. We talked about Scott Brooks needs to go. They need somebody else that's going to take the reins of this team and move them forward. This is not the answer. Scott Brooks, he's a little too passive for me. And these guys ain't responding. You got a, a pretty decent roster. They should not be three and ten, especially with a, a scoring. God, that is uh, uh, Russell Westbrook, a, a scoring prophet that is uh, Bradley Beal. You should not be 3-10. and 10. No way, shape, or form. Not going to buy it. So, I just, I know they're not going to get Mark Jackson. They're not going to pull Mark Jackson in. Uh, but they got to get somebody. They got to get somebody else in here that can take hold of this talent that they have here. And God dang on it, win, please. I mean, I'm a Bulls fan. I'm already mad because we signed Billy Donovan. So I'm not really happy out there either. I'm not happy at home. I'm not happy on the road. I ain't happy nowhere. And the Bulls are a talented team, but Billy Donovan wasn't the answer. We need somebody. You need somebody strict to get these guys in line. But but you got to let them be strict and let them do their job. See, the thing is, most of these coaches, they'll get strict. And the players got to see if you got that open door policy with the GM and the owner. When that strict coach comes in, you got to back that coach up. 
And I feel that that's kind of sort of what happened uh, with Mark Jackson and Golden State. And the Midnight Rider chimed and you fired the strict guy. Who you talking about? What strict guy did they fire? Uh, outside of Flip? Eddie Jordan was strict. And both of those guys got fired. He, so I, I agree, yeah. Because Flip, Flip held everybody accountable. He held those guys accountable. Oh, no, no talk about the Bulls. Oh, yeah, they fired Tibbs. Because uh, uh, Hoiberg wasn't wasn't strict. Hoiberg wanted things done his way, but you didn't want players to do their thing. Like, we're, we're getting to the point where Zach Levine was was balling, and you wanted to take him out the game when he had 40-some points, and we needed his scoring. Let that dude go off. We didn't have any other scores. And the Midnight Rider is calling in. You are live, Midnight Rider. Cried about him the whole time, so that's why y'all fired him and went with Billy. I, I didn't like Hoiberg from I didn't like Hoiberg from the start. No, no, it's not Hoiberg. It was the guy after Hoiberg. Boylan, I didn't like Boylan. I, I didn't like Boylan. There it is, Boylan. I didn't like neither one well, of Boylan them. Boylan was supposed to be the straight guy. I didn't like neither one of them. Because I understand was, you didn't like him, but that was you said you wanted the strict guy. The strict guy came in. The young guys revolted. Like the only problem I see with Chicago, honestly. Is the young guys don't understand accountability. We understand. And until they I can agree. become accountable for their actions, um, I think Chicago's never gonna be good. Like I think Zach Levine, it's just gonna be one of those guys that can score on a bad team. Yeah. I I to be quite honest, I didn't want to go get Zach Levine. I never wanted to fire Tibbs, man. Because with Tibbs, three years in a row, we were number one in the, well, number one, two years, and then number two another year. Only thing that, that held us back from winning the championship was the Heatles. And we, we well, used to go toe-to-toe with them, but we got cheated out of a lot of games because of bad calls down the stretch. I think the other problem y'all had was that's when Dirk started getting hurt. So that that kind of took away. Like, Dirk Rose had the unique ability, kind of like AI, where he could take um, a bag of marbles and, like, two random dudes that can play defense and he could uplift them to a playoff team or a finals-worthy team. So um, I think that's the biggest difference in that scenario is that Rose was there, but then Rose started getting hurt, and you couldn't depend on Rose. You couldn't; He wouldn't be there late in the season. So it made it easy for Miami to knock y'all out. But true. And now, see, the thing is, that's when they went and got uh, Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson filled in that, mm. that scoring role. I mean, yeah, it wasn't the greatest. Now, see, in my opinion, under Tibbs, the, the best game that we the best team that we had when we had Derrick Rose. Um oh man, who was the two? Keith Bogans was our starting two guard. Now, the only reason why I like Keith Bogans, the master guy, he was he's always been an upstanding guy. It was Joe Forte that I didn't have I had a problem with. Always. Even when I met him in person, I told him I had a problem with him. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> I mean, he was cool about it. He was like well, I, you know, I have a problem with me too, but I was like, yeah, I got a real problem with you, dog. But um, we had we had players. We had 
chemistry. You know, when Captain Kirk came back, you had, you know, a lot of you had a lot of things going, but it was we had a bully in Nazi Muhammad. Now when once we got him in the middle as a bully, oh man. And he would he was throwing Chris Bosch around, he was knocking LeBron down, just didn't care, didn't give a fuck. And I loved it. But one they just got tired of Tibbs, and you know, everybody was like, Well, Tibbs play the players too long. One thing that I know, and I know this as you know, me being me, when I'm on the court, I'm not trying to get off. I don't want to go sit down. I don't because if I sit down, I'm gonna get stiff. I get stiff, I ain't gonna want to play. So leave me out there and let me go. And I, I agree with Tibbs doing that, but Tibbs and he stressed defense, and his whole thing was if we can score 86, we're gonna win. And a lot of those games that we won, teams didn't score over 80. We were holding them down. And I agree with that. And Washington needs something like that. They need something that's going to teach them how to play defense. Because they can score 130, 145 points, but you're still losing because you can't play defense. Bradley Bill said it himself about a week or two ago. We couldn't guard a parked car. So that's that's like, I mean... I think, I mean, but that's the mentality of today's basketball player. It's not a, like, defense isn't a thing that we praise in today's basketball game. Like, you go to, you've never gone to an AAU game and be like, oh, yo, that's the lockdown kid. That's not what they praise anymore. No. So, this game, like, if you watch, like, I, I get disgusted as an old coach watching the NBA because jokers just don't play no defense. Nobody moves their feet. Like, it's not personal. i never forget three years ago, um, I was watching – it was either like NBA, the pregame show, and they had Isaiah on it. And Isaiah was just like, yo, at some point, it's got to become personal. If a dude dropped 30 on you, like, A, he can't keep dropping to get to 40 or 50. So you got to either do something then, or you got to come back and drop your 38 as well. So if he got 30, he looking at you with 38. Like, that's the thing I don't see in this NBA. And maybe I'm wrong. Like, I, I see a couple guys. I see guys like Dane and stuff like that. But I don't know, man. I think I think we got a different breed of ball players um, that just mm, – I don't know. I just don't have that dog. And when I watch the Wizards, it's just like Troy Brown. Ah, most athletic dude in the court, but he won't go bang on nobody. And then he won't play any defense. So what's the point of him? I feel the same way. I feel the same way because nobody, and the thing is, I I say this all the time. I say, you know, when you block a shot, I learned this from Bill Russell. He said when he blocked a shot, he wasn't trying to block it in the sixth row. He was trying to block it to keep it in play. And if he could get his hands on it, he could start the break. And one thing about Bill Russell, Bill Russell could run the floor. So he could get the block, get it to Kuzi, and he's running down the middle of the floor. Kuzi finding him again. Bill Russell finishing it with either a lay-in or a dunk. You're Nobody does John that Thompson anymore. Guy. <laughs> Ain't I? <laughs> such a John Thompson guy. Good God. You probably got a shrine in your basement with a white towel and a gray suit just on a hanger and a glass frame. Hey, look here, man. Stay, 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 stay <laughs> out the vault now. <laughs> you you got to oh, I'm sorry. I, I grew up watching. That's what I, who I grew up watching in listening to his show every day I, I cut my chops and i learned things man and that's how I, that's how i learned a lot is watching him but the, it's the fundamentals of the game 
to be I, I, right, I love so, back to the basket big man where you can you can face up but if I put my back to the basket it's nothing you can stop me but that guy is gone like I just all right so I'm gonna drop a nugget for you um like I just heard a stat last night on one of the shows where like 48 percent of the shots in the NBA right now being taken are three pointers and the way the guy said it is that the point of where you get no return on taking three-pointers is 60%. So, of course, everybody's front office being a numbers system. These guys are going to get to a point where we're going to see 50 55% of the shots being taken in the ball game being three-pointers. And guys that grew up in our era, you know, I'm a 94 guy. I graduated high school in 94. Um, like, we're going to be – we're dinosaurs now because this is a whole different basketball game. This is – like, this goes back to, like, Paul Westhead and guys like the dude that used to be at the – I can't think of the um, Division three school where all he did was his guy shot three points every game. And that all slowly trickled into the mid-majors and trickled into the tournament, and that's how we got to this point. So it's, it's different now. And it's just basketball that we won't understand. I get in this argument every weekend with one of my best friends. Like, there's no such thing as a back to the basket guy. And if there is, it's only like two or three of them. Like, MB right now, I think is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Everybody else decides, you know, you got big men, you got seven foot two dudes. Now, I mean, that's the European style of the game when you can, you that big and you can shoot. But is the boss anywhere around? Nah, he was on. He jumped off. He was listening, but he jumped off. Okay. Okay. All right, so I'm going to ask you a question. All right. If you don't mind, switching the roles up a little bit, letting you be the color guy. College basketball at this point right now, do you watch a lot of it? No. Are you a big college basketball guy? No. Okay, I watch so then I'll take it another vote. I'll stay NBA then. So NBA right now, there's Brooklyn and then there's the Lakers. There's, I'm going to give you four spots right beneath those two teams to tell me who the next four teams are in the NBA. Doesn't matter the conference. Okay. But the uh, next best four teams in the NBA. In any order? In any order. Just got to be the next four. The next four would have to – I have to go with uh, Boston, Philadelphia, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Houston – because Houston, Houston's surging now. Watch out for Houston. And let me see. Boston, Philadelphia, Houston. Maybe, just maybe, the L.A. Clippers. Maybe. but And Golden State's on the fringe because they're on their way back. With what? I mean, Golden State's going to fall off because they're not going to be able to do that every night. Unless unless Wiseman puts together like a all rookie performance, in my opinion, I, I I like what Steph is giving them, but they don't have anything else off of that. And unless Kelly Oubre or um, Wiggins decide to use their um, superior athleticism, I just think that team's gonna just they're gonna flounder because they don't have an identity, and that's where they're gonna struggle is finding an identity. Yes, Steph can shoot the three, but then what else is everybody else? Mm -hmm. And it can't be 
it can't be Steph in the Miracles kind of like the Danny Manning days because he's not going to be able to do that every night with that much running. So something has to give for that team. But I see where you're going with that. So if I had to answer that same question, so it's Brooklyn, L.A., I think it's you still got to give the Nuggets their, their time and their opportunity. You got to give the Clippers in the West. So that's the next two on the West side. On the East, it's definitely Boston. And I still would go – I mean, Milwaukee's just going to be there until Miami either gets healthy or falls completely out of the picture. I forgot about Milwaukee. I, I, I have not looked at Milwaukee so all good. year. You ain't missing much. It's the same. I, it's the same. Giannis back, can't shoot. I mean, he has developed a little bit more consistent on the free throw jumper, but yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, that's always, that's my MVP dude, and I love him. I just want to see him. I think you'll see him evolve. That'll be fine, but I, I just I'm not uh I'm, I'm not really looking in, in Milwaukee's direction right now for that very Understood. reason. Understood. And that, mind you, that was my that was my uh, finals prediction last year okay. with Milwaukee. So that that, that was the crazy part. So, but I got one more thing to hit before I get out of here because we're hitting a 54 minute mark. Um, All right, I'm out of your way, man. Oh, man, you know, you always got a seat. I know. We good, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, brother. No problem, bro. All right. All right, now. That is the Midnight Rider. Ben jumping in, joining. Uh, joining me, asking me important, tough questions. And I, I, I love it. 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 But uh, last but not least, um, Shaquille O'Neal going at it with current stars about, you know, them not earning the money or the they don't have the potential that he had and this, that. And other. People are getting a little upset with it. Oh, y'all owe his this, y'all owe his that, and y'all owe his on this, y'all. Man, I get what Shaq's saying, and I don't see it as hating because the the, the, the the day of the center is over. Just like, you know, Ben and myself were just talking about. Um, the day of the, 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 the dominant big man is over. So I get what, what Shaq's saying, but Charles Barkley kind of shut him up a little bit and told him straight up that if you were to play in this era – they shoot threes in this area. You wouldn't even be allowed in the gym. So I, I agree with that. Because Shaq shot one three his whole entire career, I believe. So with that being said, uh, everybody getting butthurt about what Shaq's saying, play your game. Play your game. It should not be a problem if a former player who is an all-time great decides to say something to critique you. Sometimes it's just constructive criticism that you're taking as hating. So that's just my thoughts on it. Don't let it, you know, he living rent-free in people's heads right now. So 
If that's going to be the case, hey, let it be. It is what it is. But if that's y'all want and y'all want to feel it as hating, he, he's living rent-free. So uh, that's all the time that I got. Um, hopefully everyone enjoyed. If you're listening to this on a replay, please, 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 even if you listen to it live, go on over to YouTube, follow us on YouTube, and check out a new video. I went through my card collection. I'll be posting the link on my personal page on the Sideline Junkies page and in our Sideline Junkies group. So check that out. Um, just did a little, it wasn't short, it's about 20 minutes long. I went through both books of cards, uh, looked through some things. Uh, anybody that knows about 90s hockey, hit the email sidelinejunkies247 at gmail.com. I'm talking early 90s hockey. Cause I got a bunch of hockey cards and I got to go through them. With, I got to sit down with big Jim and go through them. And, and you know, cause big Jim, big hockey fan. And he can tell me more than what I know. So until the next time I'm the big guy, KG, I don't do no overtime. I am out of.